Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Ask Contemporary podcast. Today I'm joined by artist Mark Connolly. So Mark, please could you introduce your practice? Oh God, yeah, I think we left after a second. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of that, okay, yeah, that's a... It's always a hard question when you're asked like, what do you do? <laughs> this way we could just roll Yeah, yeah. oh nice, yeah, perfect. Um, okay, I'll start, yeah, so um, yeah, thanks for having me. Very okay. excited to be here um, on the internet with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a painter and set designer based in London. Uh, yeah, I graduated from Edinburgh College of Art in 2014 and the Royal Drawing School in 2017. And I've been working in London since. And here we are in my studio. In I mean, it's so great. I've seen your works on Instagram and I've seen your collaboration with Alice, but I haven't actually been to your studio. And it's just so, I always love going to studios of seeing all the works together and like yeah, the process yeah. and how it all comes together. So what's your kind of process in making a piece? Are you someone who does loads and loads of sketches or do you just kind of go straight in? I think it's quite varied. Um, generally, I used to have this sort of quite strict linear format in mind where I'd be like, I have to do a A5 ink drawing, then I have to do a sort of pastel study in A4, mm. you know, set formats, and then maybe I'll make it, I think it was based on Alex Katz's sort of make a drawing, make a study, make a mid, then make yeah. a big, and I sort of definitely prescribed quite heavily to that for a while, and then after going to the drawing school, that sort of threw everything out of the window, mm. and I think I've worked quite freely since then, but generally now it'll be... A sort of sometimes there'll be like a small mixed media sketch and that's not that strict sometimes I'll just start if I have a if I have an idea for a big painting I'll just start it straight off the bat yeah and I'll not work out any of the kinks um, I like the idea of making watercolors but at the minute it's mostly just diving straight in um, yeah so yeah with the oil yeah and do you find from having like a set design background do you find that you're more comfortable on a larger scale yeah I think yeah so Alice McDonald and I have uh, worked on collaborative set for uh, the band this is the deep um, for a couple of years now I think we did the first one back in 2018 basically straight after finishing the drawing school and that mm. the first one we made was pretty peculiar I think we made something like 50 televisions out of cardboard boxes and we <laughs> Uh, we painted on top of tracing paper and they had bicycle lights inside them so they were eliminated from the inside yeah. out quite a weird thing but um, yeah like we've we've made some quite big sets here like maybe like what was the biggest one probably like 12 by 4 metres or 12 by 3.5 metres something like that and yeah the scale is something I've always quite enjoyed I've, al I've always enjoyed working on a large scale just mm. due to uh your ability to sort of just suspend things in space and sort yeah. of, uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, allow yourself to be overwhelmed by the scale of something, mm. something that I've quite enjoyed. But yeah, so Alice and I, um, 
yeah, we've got a, a new set that we're going to show at This Is The Deep's gig next month in Moth Club. Yeah, because it's Maybank holidays. Last Maybank holiday, I think. I think so. I think it's the 24th or something. Yeah. It's like a seated around then gig i need to yeah. like look at tickets and try i think but i think it's sold out yeah i was looking at this from <laughs> every time there's a gig i'll like see it and i'm like okay i need to book tickets have you not seen them yet have no you, oh my lord you're this is free. the thing like i always <laughs> listen to their music and obviously like i was at city and girls at ranald and then like every time it's just hasn't gone around to it and then there was yeah. one pre like the pre-covid yeah. which you guys did the massive like painted background yeah and i think why can't I go? I think I was away that weekend, so I couldn't go. And then the one which was happened was going to happen at Christmas. I was, like, booking tickets, and yeah, then the yeah, lockdown yeah. was announced. <sighs> and then this one sold out. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, they're really, really great live. Uh, lots of energy. Yeah, you can see in their music, like, there's so much energy within yeah. all of them. Yeah, I think they've got, um, I think they've got, like, a, an EP coming out quite soon. And I'm really excited for, like, that whole collection of music to be available online because I've, I was quite a, I've, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I'm at a lot of the gigs, basically, so yeah. being able to hear it online is quite a treat because, yeah, your experience of, like, I don't know, if it's, quite, it's quite a rare occasion to see a band play quite frequently, like, yeah. you know, maybe you see a, one of your favourite bands play once or twice mm. every couple of years or something, but I've, I've been lucky to see them pl- play quite a few times and... I'm looking forward to being able to uh, carry it around with me. Yeah, and do you, so when you and Alice are kind of designing and thinking about these sets and what you want to have in them, do you really like listen to the music before and speak to the band, or do you just kind of go with your own creativity and collaboration together? Uh, the collaborations usually will start with a conversation, often late at night, um, over beers and cigarettes, yeah. at the coffee table, I know. Like, <laughs> Quite late at night, and Ranald will generally have an idea of some kind of vision. And I mean, Ranald's creativity into, is it's insane. incredible. Like. Yeah, it's, he's incredible. And yeah, his vision's incredible. And the whole band, I mean, they're all really uh, incredible artists. And yeah, I think... So the, yeah, the conversation will usually be like, I don't know, an apocalyptic view of a city from beneath... <laughs> submerged beneath the sea or something and you're like I guess that is the whole thing like this is the deep mm-hmm. like it's this sort of idea of being um yeah at the, at the base of the world or something but um yeah so the, yeah convers- it'll basically be a conversation and then Alice and I will make a pencil sketch uh, a collaborative pencil sketch and we'll be talking through that and then uh, and then yeah once we sort of figure that out a little bit then we watercolour and then usually we just dive straight in mm. into the painting quite quick yeah do you find because you obviously both went to the Royal Drawing School you've both kind of got those core processes and ways of working out ideas that makes it easier to work together in I think that's a big part of it I think um, prior to the drawing school I don't think I was I'd never entertained the prospect of like working on something with someone yeah it felt very precious um, yeah whatever you're doing you feel like quite protective of it and I think we did quite a lot like I think over the year you're encouraged to do quite a lot of collaborative work mm. you know 10 people working on something or two people working on something so I think yeah the drawing school definitely had a big impact on um, it definitely pushed us towards that kind of thing yeah um, yeah I doubt we would probably be doing it if we hadn't mm. went there and that's such a I think from like 
my art school experience, you never work on collaborative projects with another yeah. artist. It's something that never comes up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Royal Drawing School must be so unique mm-hmm. in that sense that telling two or multiple other creatives to come together and create one work, yeah. it just seems like such an alien thing. And it's something even like, you have group shows, you have group mm-hmm. projects, but you never have one piece made yeah. by more than one artist. And it's quite, um, I think the ethos is sort of about eliminating this sort of attachment or something. Yeah. But destruction is a very big part of it, and I don't, that comes off maybe a bit heavy, but I don't know, like the idea that you can just start again mm. is quite important. And yeah. Like, I think over the year, you're going to make several thousand drawings but probably north of three thousand drawings or something so you know i think it's quite important to yeah work through things really quickly and and maybe spend more time on things but no matter how much time you spent on something you might have to obliterate it like i remember spending 10 weeks in the national gallery with this tutor paul chowdhury and he you know you you had to work on the same drawing for the full 10 weeks you weren't allowed to start again and you might have to rub it all out how big was the drawing uh i think i made a serious error in choosing to make quite a big one on the floor i don't know it was probably probably about a meter 40 mm. almost squared or something rolled up and it was yeah doing that in public was just a nightmare um, yeah i wouldn't do it again also <laughs> i always find at galleries like that whatever you're doing there's always people who come and look over your shoulder yeah. see what you're doing and then they yeah. look at the image and they're like oh yeah that doesn't look like that <laughs> and you're there like oh, please stop looking yeah I think yeah you definitely it's a baptism of fire definitely you get uh, quite used to that I think you don't mind that it's more just people walking up and putting the camera in your face because mm. you're seen as public property yeah occupying a public they space they are the voyeur and you're, you are the object yeah, yeah. remember that was the only time I got mildly aggravated was this like Italian 20 year old sort of come up and just put his camera in my face or recording me and I was like <laughs> trying to draw yeah leave me alone yeah yeah that's so crazy though 10 weeks on one work i guess maybe because it's like 10 weeks on a drawing so would some people do smaller ones and just work and work and work uh it's all quite a bit fuzzy really i i always describe the experience of that year as being sort of like on the ocean floor as a submarine you know you're just sort of going in the dark and you can't really see where you're going yeah. you're just sort of moving and not really at any particular great speed although you are drawing at speed but it's not actually yeah you're not moving anywhere very quickly but um i don't know yeah i think some people might have worked on quite mid thing like mid-scaled drawings and it probably became quite detailed yeah um, yeah, I can't really remember, quite fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> and did you find, because obviously you were saying how you um Edinburgh College of Art and then you went to the Royal Drawing School, did you see a big change in your practice and like your way of working and everything from between, and I can't speak, from like change from how you're working after, the, after Edinburgh to how you're working after the Royal Drawing School? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's quite a different thing studying up north and it was quite a bubble really um, yeah there were some really interesting people working there and I think the, the stuff that I was making then I think in essence actually the, the sort of like the manner of approaching it's basically the same mm. um, my means of structuring ideas is basically exactly the same but the con- like what what it is of like the yeah. subject is um, is completely new but I think before I was making these sort of accumulative 
structural paintings uh, with tons of sources, like loads and loads of found imagery and things from magazines or film stills or um, like yeah, appropriated segments from paintings and I was sort of amalgamating them all into one thing. And I think um, I did quite a lot of that for quite a while. And then yeah, the drawing school definitely yeah. I think in the time that sort of came through, I think I was sort of just releasing a lot of stuff, mm. just like getting a lot of stuff out of my system because I've generally got quite a lot of energy. So yeah. I think by the time I got to drawing school, it was sort of. Um, yeah, I think it sort of allowed me to sort of take a lot of risks and mm. not feel and just sort of feel uninhibited. So I can just sort of yeah. do whatever I want, and I don't know if I necessarily can do that. But I think like I definitely try to approach each sort of work um, as a sort of world in its own right, and yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Where you're just sort of like ironing, you're constantly ironing out creases. But mm. um, yeah, I think the drawing school definitely was a good push in to finding more than a language like finding like where you are in the world and where yeah. you want to be in the world and what you want to build and, and I think it was really good for figuring out how to sustain that um, like sustaining yeah practice over a long period of time yeah yeah because I think that's sometimes something that can be hard at art school because you kind of you work on these projects for a term two terms and then it's done I think especially at the beginning when you start a degree kind of you do this and then that's done nothing of a new thing and you don't get that kind of longevity and investment mm. into a practice and what you're doing and just kind of time to make yeah, yeah and be yeah, really yeah. Uh, like one with what you're making not in like a kitsch yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> zen way just I think um I think like the sort of idea that you're just going to make a lot of rubbish is really important like yeah. I think you have to and there's a lot of pressure I think with the internet that you're more and more aware of what your peers are up to but mm. when I was studying you know a, a successful artist that was in their 40s was considered young yeah and that's something that has changed at an accelerating pace over the last few years like really like 2016 or something I don't know but that was never an act like it was that wasn't a thing and that wasn't the goal or the mm. end point the point was just to do what you wanted to do yeah or like to yeah you were pursuing something that you enjoy doing but I think I'm sure I'm sure everyone that is making things now is just doing it because they want to do it but it's just a case of the, there was not the same pressure yeah I think like it's the visibility now which in so many ways is, is so amazing and so important for the art world but I think it's made like you're saying like the comparison between your peers and seeing what other people are doing and the whole like concept of success like what mm. is success in the art world like how do you measure that but then when you kind of is it on social media is it how many likes you have how many follows you have mm. or is it your collector base and your support base like where is it and I think with now it's something a very new kind of concept for artists of navigating that yeah and then deciding I think it's so important for us to decide what they want out of mm. their practice and what they want out of the art world yeah. do they want to be someone with like 30,000 followers selling off Instagram or do they want to kind of go more down the gallery route mm. and there's so I think it's there are so many options now of how you want to do it but it's just kind of knowing that what you choose to do you're happy with yeah yeah, yeah I think if you can somehow find a means to sort of just 
make what you want to make and not have to I don't know work 60 hours a week to do that if you yeah. can work if you can work 20 hours a week to facilitate three days a week in the studio I think that's a victory basically mm. I think that's a major victory yeah. and particularly in um if you're trying to do it in London that's quite an achievement really to do yeah. that I think um yeah I don't know yeah I think yeah it's quite a weird thing I yeah I just I can't really I can never really get my head around the idea of like that being what you'd want you know to to amass this huge thing it's quite um, yeah I just find the art world in so many ways just so strange yeah, like yeah, yeah. so many things and like so many times I'll be like speaking to friends who like aren't in the art world and stuff and like just talking about things and they're like oh but surely this is this like yeah. and I'm just like no it doesn't work like that sadly yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And you have to just figure out this minefield yeah, yeah, for yeah, yourself yeah. and learning from other people. And I think basically, as soon as you can find a way to yeah make what you want to do and do it, and you can just sort of like dip in and out, you know. So mm. it's sort of like it's a party that you can just sort of like walk in and yeah. out of as you please. You sort of yeah, you walk in, have a lime and soda, head out for a cigarette. I don't know. Yeah. It's quite nice. You can just dip in. I think that's quite a good way to do it because otherwise, I think the whole thing is that those. Um, like most platforms are sort of designed to just consume like hundreds of hours of your time and I yeah. think um, it's quite a contradiction in a time when you're expected to be incredibly efficient and proactive mm. and constantly you know working that you have so many things to contend with that are battling for your attention yeah it's like with the whole thing of the change of the Instagram algorithm mm. that like it's posting and quantities and all of this which means you hit the algorithm which obviously doesn't suit creators because you know if you if you don't want to post for a month that is fine like yeah but it's that pressure of keeping up the social media presence and existence yeah yeah i think um it's not uh, conducive to a sort of healthy working relationship to your work and and things take time like historically mm. works have taken years anyway yeah. you know like work you know to make something that you're really happy with is going to take a long time and you know I think maybe it takes eight years of working every day like I don't know you know eight years of working like seven, like six days a week seven hours a day to you know get to the point where you can make a painting in three or four hours but mm. it's uh, yeah it's it takes a lot of time, I think, to get to that point. You know, get to that point where you like know what you want to do and how to execute it, um, and not, I don't know, and to let it breathe as well. Yeah, that's really important to feel like you can uh, allow breathability in what you're doing. Mm. Um, yeah. So looking at your works as we are right now, I'd say like your colours. Like I always think, when I think of your practice of like blues and greens. But what would you say your kind of focus and what influences your use of colour that's uh yeah it's a really good question i think um it changes from painting to painting like i think prior to these works um i was sort of trying to create a frenetic active space that you mm. could sort of lose yourself in the history of marks and and they were getting quite dense and heavy and weighted and quite complicated meshed like surfaces whereas now they're sort of I'm sort of emptying out the paintings a bit I'm trying to build up space and I think um it's more about the feeling than the color in some way and I think um probably also trying to strip back or trying to limit the palette slightly more I think that yeah I think before it would just be 
quite intuitive and they would they're quite layered and there's mm. a lot of um painting out and sort of erasing and building up and wiping down and scraping um and I think I quite enjoyed that sort of like chance element to it for quite a long time whereas now I think I'm trying to yeah build up the feeling of it sort of with um a bit more clarity yeah I think I'm, mm. I'm seeking a bit more clarity to it and trying to maybe I want them to be a bit quieter they're already pretty loud as yeah. <laughs> I think it's always hard when you kind of are looking at your own work and you're trying to assess and read and interpret what you're feeling and ha- but how you can then tackle that and take it forward and it's kind of it's yeah, so yeah. much self analyzing and kind of critiquing and sometimes it's hard I think especially in like painting and art like being like this is what I want to do but like how do I get there yeah, and yeah, the yeah, risks yeah. and as an artist, it seems like you are precious about what you make yeah. because time and it's yeah, your yeah, yeah. like baby while you're working on it, and yeah, then to yeah. be like, I'm gonna block this massive bit out, and if yeah. it, and with oil as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once it's on, it's on. Yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah, I don't. I doubt I'll ever make sort of like straight monochrome paintings, but I think the if you, like once you limit um, the ingredients, as mm. it were, then you've got something that's kind of much more together yeah quite early on so I think like yeah um I think with this one uh, yeah the sort of giant shark um I was sort of thinking about yeah sort of like how like trying to chase the similar sort of fizziness that was in the paintings that I was making mm. of with um lots of dabs but trying to do something similar but with just the uh, like blurring and blending more rather than it, yeah, having the sort of same sort of physical nature as other ones. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think colour definitely just changes from painting to painting. I think that um, allows you to sort of feel like you've sort of closed a chapter and you're sort of like moving on to something else. So I think I don't really plan it out too much. Yeah. And I think also, like, people are always drawn back to similar colours even yeah, without realising yeah, they're doing yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to use any yellow. And then yeah, before you know it, the whole painting is, you're like, oh, it's quite yellow. I've heard that's um, quite a good tactic for if you need to, like, make major changes, just like a, yeah, just take away your free staple colours. But yeah, yeah, I think I definitely have um, a soft spot for Prussian blue. Can't, mm. can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, I do relate. It's just, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, my paintings is always, like, I don't know what blue, light pink and light yellow are like my cause. Yeah. And I'm currently working a painting where I've just flipped it completely and it's I'm painting on a black background. So it's Ooh. like yeah. so different. <laughs> and it's almost like I'm painting it in like yeah. black and white. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. just it's really interesting doing it. Yeah, it's really nice when you've um sort of yeah, throw a spanner in the works. Um keeps you on your toes and yeah. also the colours just they, they, um, they function completely differently when you set it on top of a dark ground um, it just sort of comes to life like in a completely different way Yeah, which is really exciting I think it is important to sort of constantly sort of stretch and move your relationships with colours and your palette and yeah like all of those sort of things I think it's quite important to yeah. keep them keep them moving because otherwise yeah I think that's kind of Worst fear is just making tons of the same painting, but I think you're always going to kind of have 
even if you sort of set out to make tons of different things, they're all sort of going to come together in some way or another. Yeah, because I think it's always that thing of, like, when you're kind of making... Um, paints a lot from your imagination mm. and your own kind of creativity and artist spin on something even if you're looking at something there's always that core of how you make marks and your yeah, painting yeah. language and what colours you're drawn to even if you're not like consciously aware of it there's always that like underlying theme running through mm. so normally in like a non-Covid world are you someone who will like take a day and go to galleries and look for inspiration and go back to like the National Gallery and kind of resorting back to that time at the Royal Drawing School. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's my ideal Friday night. Yeah. National Gallery <laughs> on Friday night. Late opening from six until nine. Um, a few of us will usually go and that's really nice because it's pretty quiet and the lighting is warm. Warm than it is day at least. And yeah, it's got such a magical atmosphere. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I think I could go there. Yeah, we normally go like almost every week. And then, yeah, I think just that sort of extra stimuli is really good. You know, you go in and I think, yeah, if you, even if you're only going once a week, you'll see one thing. It could be one tiny detail and that will sort of spur on free new paintings or mm-hmm. the ideas for free paintings. I think, um, yeah, I can't wait to get back. Um absolutely desperate to see some Masaccio portraits I think just seeing like flash tones and seeing like I think also seeing like how painting sort of um had a colour sort of fades over time and then mm. the ground sort of reveals itself and you find like all of these green hues coming through um I think that's really nice but obviously that is just sort of like yeah more related to conservation than it is to do with the artist's intention of how it was set out to be but it's just really satisfying I think seeing yeah, something like that, just like a green tint could sort of, you could come in and be like, I want to make a green painting. Mm. Or like, it changes, even just seeing that could just change your relationship to a colour. So, yeah, um, yeah. normally, I've, I've only really recently started taking weekends. And um, I think that's kind of gone out the window the last couple of weeks. But generally, like, I had never really taken weekends before. Whereas now, mm-hmm. I absolutely love having, yeah, two days off a week. Yeah. Just drawing, looking at things, researching and... Um, and yeah, coming in with fresh eyes on Monday morning, quite nice. Um, but yeah, can't wait, just can't wait to go and see um, more shows. It's quite nice that you can yeah. go and see shows again. I'm so like I was so excited for the galleries and exhibitions to open up, but now I just can't wait for the institutions. Like, yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. been for like, way over a year because I don't. I think last February went to like Tate National was like last February. And it just yeah, seems yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all my paintings, I look at classical paintings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I haven't seen one in person. This is quite weird. Yeah, I've been getting really into going into, the, like, archives online. Like, you can go mm. to, like, Louvre's archives. Yeah. Or, um, the Vatican's archives, which is quite weird. Like, they've got, like, hundreds of thousands of objects and artifacts. You can just, like, sift through. It's really not the same, though, is it? Mm. Like, you can't, you can't really replace that sort of experience of standing in front of something yeah I think it's also like the stillness and that feeling of it just being you yeah looking at something especially when you're in those kind of big institutions where also your surroundings yeah. are so kind of impressive and grand mm. and so different to a lot of the gallery spaces we see now of yeah. just like white walls this yeah, like yeah, hyper yeah. contrast of almost like the two worlds the new world and the old world of art yeah 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 yeah, yeah definitely 100% yeah it's really it's quite exciting I think um in the tape they had recently well I say recently maybe like it was 
probably pre-COVID actually, but they had just pulled out a few Helen Frankenfellers. Mm. Um, and I thought that was quite um, a treat really, just these huge, vast, abstract paintings um, in Tate Modern. It's just like, yeah, I don't know, I think whenever you go to these institutions and they have a sort of shuffle or a rejig or rehang a room or, you know, because they'll do that quite often in the National Gallery as well, just like have a rehang mm. and then it's quite, um, it's quite nice just returning and then, yeah, sort of being like trying to find a foyard or yeah like, <laughs> or like an easter egg hunt yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i was listening to there was um, a bbc iplayer um podcast that might have been a few years ago just on like the archive and it was the one of the i think it was the director for national gallery he's just talking about the fact that like um, the significance of having been the first director to purchase a american painting which was george bellows mm-hmm. and i thought that was it's quite funny because like when you're there you're like oh yeah that is yeah George Bell's American painter, but you didn't sort of didn't really think about it in terms of it's the only one there. Yeah. I don't know if they've bought anything since, but it's quite funny. Um, love George Bellows. Yeah, that's mad. International only has one. Well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Seems... It's um, yeah, it's really peculiar. It's quite um, I guess it's not often like new, like works become available yeah. like really like it's quite uncommon for like. Um, historical works to sort of floating around mm. the market and often like institutions wouldn't be able to afford them anyway the prices yeah. that they go for like I think was it Salvador Mundi went for I think it was like 300 million or something oh my god I could be I, mean, I pulled that number out of like, <laughs> yeah. the stratosphere I think it was something it was uh, it was an obnoxious number it's a lot of money like yeah. so much money but yeah I think also I guess the whole thing of like classical American paintings is there are so many big American institutions yeah. and there's so much money yeah, in America yeah, yeah, yeah. the American government to buy and acquire yeah, these kind of works yeah. yeah I'm absolutely desperate to go the idea of like travelling to see collections that's something that's always been a passion of mine mm-hmm. and I'm absolutely desperate to just travel to go and see yeah. some paintings again um, yeah I really want to go to the Met in New York and really want to go out to there's a giant um, James Enzer in LA that I really want to see The Return of Christ to Brussels just absolutely desperate to see it but it's, like, it's the biggest painting ever but yeah really would like to yeah, travel to see some yeah. work again oh. I mean that does sound the dream mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like everyone's kind of got cabin fever at the moment yeah, definitely. <laughs> like stuck yeah. in their country like everything's opened up but you can't go abroad and see things and yeah, there's always the sort of threat that things are going to open and close very quickly again. Yeah, it's a the panic. revolving door. Like, I don't know, I, I don't take it for granted that, yeah, everyone's going to be open for very long. I mean, I hope, I hope they will, but it does seem like never-ending. Yeah, especially what's happening mm. in the East. Yeah, what are you looking forward to seeing most coming out of COVID? Like, I mean, yeah, museum-wise, is there anything that you'd like to return to see? Any particular work? I want to go to Italy and just do a tour of ceilings. Oh, wow. I think. Oh. I think that would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, would yeah, be... Yeah. yeah. You have a friend, actually, who was talking about wanting to do, like, um, an old walking pilgrimage route, like, the whole way from... I think it's actually from the north of France to the base of Italy. Basically, it was, like... It's a, it's a whole summer mm. of walking, but... That sounds um, so great. <laughs> yeah. 
really love the idea of that, but yeah, that sounds really good. I was in, I can't wait to go back to Rome. I um, love, uh, is it Palazzo, Palazzo Massimo, like the National Museum in yeah. Rome. The, yeah, that's absolutely amazing. It's the, the reliefs and, uh, yeah, sort of like, yeah, the mural, like it's just loads of murals mm. and, um, yeah, really nice, like really cool. Yeah. yeah, what's on your what's your number one? Fly um, to America. <laughs> I don't know actually. I think America is not the first priority. Um, I quite like to go back to the Louvre actually. Mm. I like to go back to the Louvre or where else would I like to go? What paintings? Um, I've still got half of. I've basically only seen half of the Caravaggio's in Rome, so I'd like to go back and see the other half. Yeah. I basically, I thought I was going to see them all. It wasn't possible. <laughs> your pilgrimage, your yeah, I didn't bucket manage, list I didn't manage to. I didn't manage to complete it, so maybe go back there. I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it's very hard to imagine actually traveling now. But I would, I'm absolutely desperate to do it. I think. Yeah. I think um, also just I like the idea of going to like Berlin for like two weeks and just getting an Airbnb and just doing loads of watercolors. And, going to yeah the museums there they've got some like a really nice yeah I'd love to see like a Caspar David Friedrich in Berlin the monk by the sea love that painting so I'd love to go back, go back and see that It'd be quite nice just a unlimited plane ticket to just hop yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it's a um, big wad of money done <laughs> off again yeah yeah that would be the dream you can get the train quite nice um, slow travel. I think slow travel will be the future. Yeah. Maybe like getting a freight. Like if you you know if you want to go to America instead of flying, get a you know a hop on a cargo freight or something. <laughs> I think you can do that. It's not actually can as you? cheap as you um, would hope it is. But yeah, I had a friend who was talking about and what you go can, on a yeah you can cargo pay, ship. You can pay to go on a cargo ship, but it's actually I think it was a couple of grand actually. But I guess it's quite good on the old carbon footprint. Um, so yeah. you like stay in You'll the ship? You'll live on the ship, yeah. You'd sort of okay. be, I think you'd be classified as crew, but you're paying to do it. Yeah. You'd eat with the team and yeah, have your own sleeping quarters and stuff. I don't know. That I think that's probably the future fun. of travel. I think that's yeah. Kind of, I guess, from the artists we were talking about, which is kind of you want to go and see and mm. stuff, but which artists do you think have the biggest influence on your practice? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think kind of exposed to so much online mm. now that you can just sort of constantly sift through endless reams of works but um really love Chris Ophelia's work I've been a big fan yeah. of Chris Ophelia's work for yeah like I think probably since I started it uni huge fan of his and um <clears throat> I don't know who else if I um I'm trying to think of like more um, interesting. I don't know I've experienced before. I think um, what was the um, yeah? I recently went to uh, one of the last experiences in a museum was in Amsterdam. I'd seen some Chagall, and that was really nice. Mark Chagall's mm. work that was. Um, Quite incredible, really. Like they're so fantastical and so fresh, and the uh, drawing of them is like just absolutely dazzling. So yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. There's just there's a lot. I think um, yeah. I think Chagall. That was like a really nice experience. Um, but it could also no. Yeah, it was, yeah. That's 
So I'm totally... No, I think it's hard now. I think when with social media and with this kind of so much influx of visual imagery and all these things and obviously like I run the arts contemporary so like I am guilty of it you see so much and I think it's sometimes hard and I think you end up like our minds now process we see images we don't see names so so many times like I've had times on the podcast like people are telling me about artists they're inspired by and then I'm like oh wait I know that I just don't know their name I just know the imagery of their practice yeah exactly yeah which is such a like transfer of knowledge in the way we're taught things when we're younger of being like this what it's called and this what it is rather than just being like yeah yeah, yeah. i think yeah i think the speed at which it all sort of like functions i think it's um yeah i don't know you just sort of get used to just sort of like bouncing around just moving quite quickly sort of like trying to and it yeah and it sort of feels like a sort of linear sort of direction that you're moving in but it's actually not but i don't know yeah it's quite um loads of different Things that I think um, what was the I really enjoyed we watched like um, I think cinema is often like quite a big influence on like yeah I think cinema and music are almost a bigger influence on like what I want to achieve in mm-hmm. painting more than like um, art itself often like I think we recently watched um, Fellini eight and a half and it was just this sort of three hour odyssey of the making of a masterpiece that never quite got made mm-hmm. and I feel like that had quite a that made quite an impression because I think it's just well it's quite meta for like you know for a start like it's all just about the actual creation of a thing itself so it's like trying to get to the core of um, what it is to make something but at the same time it's just all of the distractions that kind of come along with it and this it's all just so fluid. Um, I don't necessarily want to make sort of like, you know, a cinematic image, but I think mm-hmm. that sort of like feeling of fluidity and movement between things is like, that's something that I, you know, try to sort of like grasp at that I want, you know, the flow of imagery and paintings or, you know, whatever it is you're making that you want there to be that sort of same seamless fluidity moving um, through it. Um, and I think, yeah, often, yeah, you want um, you want to sort of like thinking about like trying to build something that's kind of like you know moving of its own accord yeah um, so I try to not think too much about like art or painting itself while I'm making paintings I think often it's sort of more of an abstract sort of feeling that mm. you're wanting to try to get out so it might end up being quite a figurative thing but like the, ab- the feeling itself is quite abstract yeah. and you want to sort of like try to hold on to that sort of um, vagueness there's like a vagueness to it and I think that's mm. like really important um, because then that's what you're sort of resisting that yeah. sort of vague, you know so it's, it's sort of like the unknown I guess like that like the void or the unknown it's like what you can't see what you can't pin down mm. which is obviously kind of like quite a contradiction because I think most of the things that I make are quite like head on it's kind of like quite direct you can see what it is there's no sort of messing around but I think like the, where they, the feeling they come from is something that's like trying to grapple with something that is sort of not completely defined it's almost like the paintings become the anchors mm. and the connection point into your feeling of creating this kind of and with them it's kind of like this other world mm. and the way of experience yeah I always that. try to think of them like yeah I always try to sort of like think of the paintings as like shards that are just sort of like splintered off of a whole 
and I like the idea of not knowing what the hole is. Yeah. You know, I think... Um, like you're constantly excavating it and getting a little bit deeper with each work yeah. you make. Yeah, I like the idea of like, um, yeah, sort of like fragments as well. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, just like the idea of just like, so, yeah, something just, it's like the idea is just falling off of something. Mm. Um, there is definitely things that yeah I mean they all sort of like relate and they sort of converse they definitely converse I think they like that's the starting point I think that sort of abstract sort of feeling at the beginning is like that you know that's that's one thing and then once they sort of are floating in space as it were then they sort of dictate what happens next Mm. Um, so they all sort of like feed on to one another I can normally see about three or four into the future yeah and then, are you someone who always works on multiple works at once and kind of hops yeah. between i've tried to do less of that i've tried to be a bit more restrained and a bit more focused on a pair at a time yeah um and at the moment i'm sort of working on pairs previously i mean i have probably the guts of a hundred things on a go at any one time <laughs> but i'm trying to get out of the way of that habit um i don't mind it i mean it's fine i think i still sort of like the idea of having tons of things floating around that are really Mm. close to resolution but not quite yeah and and not feeling the pressure to finish it just sort of like you know you build this thing then you just bury it for several months then you come Mm. back and then maybe it maybe you finish it in 20 minutes and i think yeah that's quite nice because then this also means that like if i make like 40 works on paper that don't see the light of day they all sort of inform the bigger painting so the bigger paintings just sort of feel like they come out of like nowhere but you know there's probably some sort of reference hidden yeah. buried <laughs> in the mound. buried in the pile of wax on yeah. paper um, yeah so do you have any projects coming up obviously you've got the set for the next gig yeah, have you had yeah. any other projects you're working on at the moment yeah there's quite a few shows that were meant to be coming up sort of like pre-Covid, during Covid, in the lull of Covid, and a lot of them are like pushed back and pushed further into the future, so at the minute I'm just primarily making, but in next month, yeah, we've got the the next set, um, which is going to be shown at Deep's concert in Moth Club, which I'm really excited about. Um, it'd be really nice to, yeah, have the band sort of, yeah, playing surrounded by this huge painting, and yeah. we've got the yeah wooden cut out figures which are going to go into space but that's the main thing that's sort of like yeah on the horizon primarily just painting and, and mm. enjoying uh, yeah just sort of moving through them right now yeah I loved the um, show you and Alice did at Wells and with the cut out people mm. and I just think with Wells project space being the old nightclub yeah, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was so cool it's an amazing place um, yeah it's Wells projects is an amazing thing and Charlie runs it is amazing yeah. he's such a great because he's now at the Royal Drawing School is he? yeah oh, I'm pretty right. sure he is okay. I may be lying but I, I, I'm <laughs> 99% sure he is at the Royal Drawing School um, yeah nice yeah yeah. I think, um, yeah he makes uh, yeah he makes great works I think I've seen quite a few of his paintings and monoprints really really nice and um, yeah really amazing place I think yeah his studio was in there for a while and Wells and it's, it's yeah it was a really remarkable place and it was a it was quite a treat really to be able to yeah work like yeah make a installation to fill that space and 
yeah, Charlie actually had made a. He'd, I think he'd sourced uh, old film footage from it when it was a club. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, sort of the ghost of all of these party goers sort of hanging over the show. It was quite fun. No, it was really cool. And it's just like the building in itself is just. Yeah. Yeah, the people that ran it must have just been absolutely wild. Like the, the, it's the Baroque paintings. Yeah, yeah. That is the. They did a huge uh, Van Dyke transcription. Yeah. And that sort of like Bacchus painting in the back, um, which is basically just like a scaled up uh, reproduction of that Van Dyke painting of Bacchus in the National Gallery. Yeah, and then imagine clubbing. <laughs> Yeah, clubbing under the eyes of Bacchus, <laughs> who almost sort of looked like Santa Claus. It yeah. Was really it's like, peculiar. Yeah, it's an amazing place. Um, hope it yeah, stays there forever. Yeah, because so it's under know. guardianship. So yeah, 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 so yeah, hopefully it just stays, stays protected. I think it does seem like quite a difficult place to do anything because it's right on the corner of the junction. So I think, the from what I heard, it sounds like the neighbourhood sort of keep putting their foot down and yeah. preventing anything from happening. So. Yeah, hopefully they can um, you know, ward off the property developers and keep it there. Because it feels really special. It's a really special place and it would be sad for that to disappear. Mm. So hopefully it'll stay there. Yeah, fingers crossed it'll stay yeah, and many yeah. more shows will yeah, happen definitely. there. And maybe one day it'll be in, they can do a nightclub night. Yeah, turn it into a nightclub again, yeah. yeah. yeah Get the cutouts there. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, actually we did actually want to put on, um, it's like, the whole plan for that show was actually to have a series of gigs in it. Mm. Um, we were trying to plan a sort of mini festival of sorts, but then it, yeah, just was basically illegal, so we just yeah. couldn't, do couldn't do it. Yeah, it's always the struggle this year when you try and do something. You're like, oh wait, it's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a headache. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks it's for coming around. So it's great. great yeah, it's great to meet you, and thanks for coming. Finally in person. Yeah. <laughs> after like months and months of knowing each other from Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform. Mm-hmm.